This is a Soulfire production. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. It's politically homeless, if you didn't know. That's where we're at. That's what we're doing. We got some good stuff to talk about today, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take the bait on a few things. We're not gonna go deep into the Neil Young, Joe Rogan situation because I didn't even know. I don't really. I can't name a Neil Young song. I mean, and I'm a, I'm 35. Like I I I'm not young. I mean, I'm youngish, but. I don't even know who that old motherfucker is or where he came from. And it seemed like he <laughs> overvalued his music, which is really funny. Uh, Biden also this week called somebody a son of a bitch, which everybody was up in arms about. I was like, that's fine. Like, I don't know. Trump called someone a son of a bitch too. People just say like hot mic moments happen. It's like, oh my God, can you believe what the president said on a hot mic? It's like, this is the people that were saying that it was okay for Trump to talk about grabbing people by the pussy, women by the pussy. You know what I mean? Like, I, 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 the, the hypocrisy knows, knows no bounds. Like, who fucking cares? That was a stupid fucking question. It was a stupid question. Of course, the inflation is a problem <laughs> in the midterms, bro. Oh my god! But but the but the the moral outcry was just. Hilarious! I think it's funny. I think I wish Trump, uh, uh, Trump or Biden or whoever the president is next would just call more reporters sons of bitches. I think it'd be hilarious. I've got this Supreme Court situation going on. I'm not going to cover it because the dude isn't even stepping down for six months. Okay, I'm I'm we're not, I'm not going to consume my your time in this show talking about something that will surely be a, a shit show for the entire time. But I will say Kamala makes the most sense. Kamala makes the most sense. Get her out of there. She is unpopular. <laughs> Incredibly unpopular. But we'll see. Again, it's going to be a long, drawn-out, treacherous process that will uh, you know, definitely be leveraged to divide us more. I can, compare, I can predict that. I, I don't think there's going to be some, some bipartisan consensus over who it is. It'll be, you know, it, it, I heard Ben Shapiro. I listened to Ben Shapiro talk about it. It was so funny. The dude is just immune to self-reflection. It's like, well, they're trying to push her through before the midterms. Or what? I'm like, well, that's what the Republicans did with Amy Coney Barrett after they cried about, about Obama trying to appoint Merrick Garland at the end of his second term. It's like what the voters should choose. It's like, dude, you, all you do, all these fucking people do, doesn't matter which side, this is why we're politically homeless people, is just say what they need to say and rationalize what will help their team. That's it. It's so, there's not like, I haven't seen a principled argument from someone in such a long time. We're going to get into Dan Crenshaw and his, some of his comments on his financial situation today. We're going to talk a little bit about Canada. We're going to talk about Mark Cuban. China changes the ending of Fight Club. Uh, I'm going to read you a little segment from Matt Taibbi's new piece called Let's Not Go to War. And we're going to talk about some hypocrisy. I'm just in the hypocr hypocrisy criticizing mood today. Um, I did have three tequilas yesterday. Casamigos uh, Reposado. Very, very, it's a good tequila. I like it. It's all right. It's a good, consistent tequila. But man, maybe because I just turned 35, like I wasn't even, I didn't even have a, like a buzz. I was just like chilling over like a few hours. 
I woke up and I was like, am I hungover? Fucking sucks, man. I guess that's when you know you better start being a parent soon. When you're three tequilas and no buzz leaves you with a hangover. It's a weird time. Speaking of Canada, though, we recorded the first episode of Thought Criminals just this week. I'm really excited about it. We had Liam DeBoer on. I'm going to be releasing that show into the Patreon before the Thought Criminals podcast even launches. So they're going to be getting um, a uh, early release in the Patreon. It's a two-hour podcast. What we decided to do with Thought Criminals and just a little housekeeping here on that that interview show, it will be a separate podcast. It'll go outside the realm of politics, um, but it is going to be really fun and it's going to be all interviews. So this is the politically homeless will stay as it is, but thought criminals will be a nice addition and a little politically homeless uh, under the politically homeless umbrella where we get to have conversations with a bunch of people and do the thing. I love having conversations. Of course, there'll be video content for everybody out there that loves that kind of stuff. It'll be on the YouTube and all that kind of stuff. But the, um, the Patreon is getting that super, super early because we're not launching the show till February and I'm going to have a few uh, episodes recorded. So if you want to get those things early, as soon as they are done editing, as soon as we're done editing those, they're going in the Patreon. So like the Patreon crew is going to have tons of content. And within the Patreon for Thought Criminals, um, I'm going to be dropping a kind of a, a topic request of sorts for the guests. So if you want to ask, if we have a guest on, maybe it's Michaela Peterson, maybe it's Sal DeStefano, some of these people that are really in, like these goal people, but also people that I know that I'm, you know, going to get on the show, um, you'll be able to ask them questions and that'll be something exclusive for the Patreon. So if you've been considering the Patreon, I just gave you more reasons to join patreon.com slash politically homeless. Now, with all that being said, let's get into the state of things. It is time. I love you guys. Let's do it. I'm excited. It's Friday. Let's party. All right, let's start today off with Dan Crenshaw, as some people call him Cringeshaw, because he is the reincarnation of Dick Cheney. <laughs> Essentially, if you would like to boil it down, he is uh, a one-eyed Dick Cheney. That's 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 what it's turned out to be. And he had the fifth highest returns of anyone in Congress when it came to their individual stock trading portfolios last year. So now let's just Give it a little context here. It was only uh, $20,000, which isn't a ton of money. It's not Nancy Pelosi money. He actually edged out as far as returns. He edged out Nancy Pelosi, but Nancy Pelosi's dealing in millions of dollars. And um, Crenshaw's dealing in hundreds and thousands of dollars. Um, not hundreds of thousands, hundreds and thousands. So on the whole, $20,000, not a huge deal. But these are companies like Boeing and people that he has meetings with. And he was actually on this conservative podcast called... Um, the American Savage, which is self-righteous and kind of silly in this like square jawed Captain America wannabe here is, um, is apparently the host. I forget his name and I don't really care because I'll never listen to that show again, but unusual whales pulled this clip. They're the ones that released all that data. They do a great job. I highly recommend following unusual whales on Twitter, Instagram, wherever you can get a hold of it. Cause they share some amazing stuff, uh, when it comes to public information for corruption, essentially. So let's hear what Dan Crenshaw has to say. The audio is really not great here, but, uh, we're gonna do the best we can. Let's hear what he has to say about his trading behavior and the behavior of Congress as a whole. There 
is there is one topic that I definitely want to get straight from the horse's mouth on this one. It wasn't very long yeah. ago that Nancy Pelosi was asked a question in regards to can members, sitting members of Congress, or should they be allowed to have direct involvement in the trading uh, in the stock market and things such as that? And she said, yes, it's a capitalist society. She supports that. And there was an article that was just published about yourself. I'm pretty sure you're probably aware of this. It basically mm-hmm. talked about – I'd seen some turning point people posting about this and said uh, – this is coming from Texas Signal saying Dan Crenshaw's stock trading yielded the fifth highest return in Congress, uh, basically t- pointing out that your campaign had received a donation from Boeing. They had lobbied, um, things such as that. Where do you stand on – the number two, two-fold question. Do you believe that sitting members of Congress should be allowed to trade in the stock market even though you kind of have direct insight and somewhat control – over how that flow goes and which government favorite corporations you get where I'm going. Um, let's let's start with that one first. Where do you stand on that? Um, I mean, I think it'd be fine if you wanted to ban individual stock trading. Mm-hmm. Um, notice I said individual stocks. Right. What, what of course uh, as opposed to what? Stupid, as opposed to ETFs, indexes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I'm kind of neutral on it. Like, I if 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 you want only millionaires and billionaires to run for Congress, then then keep making sure that we can't raise our pay, that we can't get a housing stipend, that we have to just spend um, spend or pay rent in two different places. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Um, if, if you want to, if, if that's what you want to support, but just keep in mind that no one will, no one will run for Congress mm-hmm. because it's, it's, you have no way to better yourself. You have no way to better yourself. Okay, so let's just get this straight here. This is Crenshaw. Now, again, $20,000, not a huge deal. People make money, and I want people to make money. I'm not, a, I'm not against people making money. But that being said, bro, you get paid $175,000 a year. Okay, so let's just say within your home district, you operate off of $100,000, that $175,000 that you earn per year. I'm pretty sure with the other $75,000, you can get a studio apartment in D.C. That is not what this is about. Okay, you have no way to better yourself? Are you fucking serious, dude? That's not your job. Your job is not bettering yourself. It's called public service, bro. And then he goes on to talk about how, well, were you having closed-door meetings with the Boeing people because you invested in that stock? It's like, well, I'm sure they were around. Really, you're sure they were around. You're a neocon, dude. You, and if anybody doesn't think you're having normal conversations with Boeing, they're fucking losing their mind. Makes no sense, dude. It makes no sense. Like, allocate your finances appropriately. And if I had $175,000 a month, a year, I could have two places. I probably would have two places. Now, of course, I would Airbnb one, which you also have the right to do. If you need to rent an apartment or buy an apartment in D.C., which is very inflated, but you buy a one-bedroom or a studio, you could probably get that for a reasonable price. Airbnb it when you're not there. Bada bing, bada boom. Have somebody manage that for you. Now you've got a revenue-generating property. It's not that hard. You see what I'm saying? It's not that hard. But these excuses you're making for yourself, if you only want millionaires and billionaires to run for Congress, are you – like I think about running for Congress, and I'm like, wow, $175,000. It's a lot of money. That's good. Like – that makes it worthwhile to kind of sacrifice what I'm doing outside of that. You know, not a problem. And I just, this, this narrative is just so comical. The the amount of money that that is like, that's, that's a lot of money. 
I know it's not for the people you hang around with, for the execs that you hang around with from Boeing and similar places, Lockheed Martin, whoever else. What you're chasing, Dan, is a lifestyle. I hate to break that to you. This is not about bettering yourself. This is about maintaining a lifestyle. You bougie fuck. It's not about public service. It's not about serving your constituency. That's not it. You want a lifestyle. And I'm sure as soon, because of these partnerships you make in Congress, I'm sure as soon as you decide to step away, you'll have a board seat and a seven-figure income whenever you want it. Maybe you can become a lobbyist because that seems more appropriate for you because if you're chasing a lifestyle, you're in the wrong gig. You're pretending to be in the public service gig and you're not. And that's the unfortunate reality, Dan. And of course, he's getting roasted for this, and I'm, I'm sure he'll get reelected, but uh, it's clownish, it's buffoonish, and I don't hate Dan Crenshaw. I don't, I, I've just gotten to the point where I'm like, I don't have a ton of respect for him outside of his military service. So <laughs> it's, it is what it is. I mean, if this, guy had, if this guy had Nancy Pelosi money, I'm sure he'd be making Nancy Pelosi money and making the same moves. And the amount of influence that these lawmakers have on what the stock price is going to be alone would justify claims of insider trading. So chase your lifestyle, Dan. Get your, you know, get your get your $120,000 F-250 trimmer and flex on everybody. Do your thing. But don't do it as a congressman because you're wasting our fucking time. Massive protests going on in Canada right now. Kind of a media blackout. I think even Canada's shutting down the highway cam, so you can't really see how many trucks are in this convoy that are protesting mandates. And a little bit about the mandates. So what they tried to do, and America is a part of this too, uh, or the United States was a part of this, and um, Canada kind of colluded to make it where if you are an unvaccinated trucker and you cross the United States-Canada border and then you go back into Canada, uh, you'd have to quarantine for two weeks, which is atrocious and, and ridiculous. Truckers don't interact with that many people outside of like truck stops, and when they drop off a load, I guess, or pick up a load, I, I can't imagine them being a, 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 in a high-risk pool. So as of right now, about 85% of truckers in Canada are, unva- uh, are vaccinated. Excuse me, 15 or 16% are unvaccinated, which ends up being about 15 or 16,000 truckers. But the convoy is 50,000 trucks long, reportedly. Now, there's not a whole lot of news coverage on this. Again, it's kind of a media blackout. But... Joe Rogan did what Joe Rogan does, and he brought this shit up with a Canadian. So let's just get into what he had to say here, and then we'll uh, dive a little deeper into the Canadian response. Your country's in revolt. Do you know about this? Show this video. Look at this video that I sent Jamie. This is like huge. Look at my girlfriend. This is my action center outside of Edmonton, heading to Calgary, January 23rd. It's a giant convoy of trucks that's apparently some insane amount of people like 50,000 trucks that are headed to Ottawa to protest the vaccine mandates by Trudeau and, and they're all coming from Canada because they're, they're not allowed in to Canada they're That's all in crazy. Canada it's all Canadian truckers because apparently they're, they're all being mandated that they have to get vaccinated and they're like hey we don't even contact anybody we're in our truck yeah, like we, we just drive <laughs> and you know Okay, this is another one that I sent Jamie. Watch this one. <laughs> this girl is like uh, at a bar and she, uh, I don't know if she's a stripper or what, but this is this guy's birthday. Don't you hear it? Where's the volume? Here we go. So watch this. She, she pours water on him and then check this out. 
all fun and games, right? It's all fun, right? I have a feeling it's gonna end bad or She tases him. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, that has nothing to do with the trucker convoy, but that was, I didn't see that part till just now. That was weird. Okay, so we got this trucker convoy, right? And the Canadian response, Trudeau came back and said, and said, uh, these are fringe anti-vaxxers. These are the fringe anti-vaxxers, um, and they don't really belong in polite society, the same thing. But what I said earlier, right, it's 50,000 trucks, which is more than 50,000 people, but there's only 16,000 unvaccinated truckers. So what you're seeing here is vaccinated people that are speaking up against these mandates on principle, which most vaccinated people feel this way, and many of them keep their fucking mouths shut. And those are people that don't have a ton of respect for. If you're anti-mandate, make sure it's known that you're anti-mandate. The anti-mandate crowd, not the anti-vax crowd, but the anti-mandate crowd needs vaccinated voices. You know? I, I hear that. I'm not, I'm anti-mandate. It's like, you don't, all you do is post fucking pro-vaccine shit on your fucking Instagram, pussy. Like, it drives me crazy. It absolutely drives me crazy. But what you're seeing is people standing up on principle, which I love to see. I really do. Now, I want to get into the Canadian uh, response to this. So here is what we've got from the Canadian Prime Minister on uh, what he thinks should be happening going forward. That was a great speech, gang. But the answer is no. All oh, no. my new laws will stay in effect forever. Forever. Ha-ha, <laughs> you lose, Americans. Then I suppose us Mounties will never get our horses. And we won't get our wine. And we can't perform sodomy, eh? But why are you making such strange laws? I said go! Oh my god! They killed Kenny! You bastards. Bastards! What? What the hell is wrong with you? What kind of prime minister bases his decisions on hatred? And, and takes away Mountie's horses and French people's wine? What the hell kind of prime minister are you anyway? I am the prime minister of Canada. I can do whatever I want. Uh, don't mind that guy hiding in the spider hole. He's just my friend. What the hell? Hey, that looks like Saddam Hussein. Saddam Hussein? Nah, relax, buddy. I'm not him. That explains everything. The new prime minister was Saddam Hussein, once again trying to take over our beloved Canada like he did before. Saddam Hussein? He was fooling us? Get him! Uh it was Saddam Hussein the whole... It makes so much sense now. It was fucking Saddam. Fuck, classic Saddam. Saddam is the reason that we're all here today, and I'm glad that we finally got to the bottom of it. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Elemental Labs. Guys, these are the, these are the people that created Element, okay? And Element is, it's one of the things that I put in my body frequently that makes me feel better and hydrated. Um, when I was going through this vertigo bout and everything was going on, people were like, maybe you're dehydrated. And I was like, that's literally impossible because I drink so much water. And I can probably attribute like half of that to Element because it makes water palatable, like more palatable. Because if you have a thirsty, water tastes good. But if you got to think about the, the palatability and reward system that exists within your brain, there's a few things that will hack that palatability system. Things that are salty, sweet, greasy. That's why if you find like... Um, Something that's like salty, sweet, and fatty at the same time is so good, right? That's why salted nuts are much more palatable than raw nuts, right? So we have this palatability system within our brain. And if we can hijack that 
to drink more water while also creating a better environment with that water with inside of our body to absorb and get the most out of it, well, then you're doing a good job, my friends. And that is exactly what Element does. And the fun fact is, way before Element existed, the palatability and reward system that I just spoke about, I learned about that from Rob Wolf, who just happens to be one of the creators of Element. Funny how that works. It seems like he might just be a smart guy. Now, let me just read off the ingredients. This is a, I have a pack of uh, watermelon, which is one of my favorite ingre- uh, flavors here. Ingredients, salt, malic acid, magnesium malate, potassium chloride, natural watermelon flavor, and stevia leaf extract. You know what's not in that list? Sugar, because there is none, my friends, none. If you were drinking some kind of like bullshit Gatorade, Powerade, sports drink, whatever, you're doing yourself a disservice. If you like to get out and sweat, hike, work out, if you're eating keto, paleo, you're in the sauna, you're doing those kind of things, you're out there sweating it out, baby, you got to put this inside of you. All right, pour it right down your mouth hole. It is the best thing you'll do in 2022, guaranteed. Now, what you got to do to get a free, well, not free, you got to pay, pay shipping, okay? But you can get a, you can get a sample pack, eight packets, sample pack for $5. Okay, all you got to do is cover shipping. You don't actually pay for the packets, but you do have to cover the shipping because you have to take some kind of personal responsibility because it is America. So, you get a free variety pack. All you have to do is cover shipping. It's $5. Go to drinkelement, D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash wanders. The link is in my show notes. Boom. Sign up. Do the thing. Even if you've already got the variety pack and you're one of those people, like there's a bunch of people. You guys have bought the shit out of this, by the way. Like people are loving this stuff. I get messages all the time of people really digging this. Actually, all of our sponsors, people are, you guys have done well. I mean, it's you know that supporting these sponsors is supporting this show. So I really appreciate that. And I only take on sponsors that make badass stuff. It's easy to find a CBD sponsor or some kind of crazy supplement sponsors that promise you the world. I don't play that game. All right. I like high return on investment for what I put on my show, what I endorse and what I put in my body. And that's why I like element and cured our other sponsor, but Check it out, guys. Stay salty. Stay moist on the inside. Go to drinkelement.com, D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com, slash wanders. Link is in the show notes. All the links are always in the show notes. Even if you're just buying boxes and you're doing that kind of thing and you're already past the variety pack, still use that link because it makes us look good. This stuff is amazing. Check it out. We are also sponsored by our friends over at Cured Nutrition. And I say our friends because, like, I've met Rob. We're not friends, but we're like, I met him one time. That was really nice. But the people over at Cure Nutrition actually are our friends. I, uh, I love these guys. And I was actually drinking a, a sparkling beverage from them called Euphoria. It's CBD, mushrooms, and vitamin D in a spicy mango flavor. Highly recommended. It actually tastes more like chai than it does mango to me. But that's good because... I like chai more than mango. I didn't think I was actually going to like this flavor, but it's fucking good. Anyway, so guys, Pure Nutrition does a lot of things. They've got incredible products, incredible sourcing, and they do a lot of their packaging and compounding here in Colorado, which I love anything that brings business more local. So they're combining cannabinoids with medicinal mushrooms and adaptogens in a variety of different blends that kind of meet you where you are. What do you need? Are you feeling lethargic when you wake up in the morning? Boom, hit that morning blend. You having trouble sleeping and want to get a little bit better rest? Boom. They got that for you. 
If you're feeling a little sore and you want a CBD salve that's really intense um, for when it comes to relaxing muscles, I guess you can intensely relax muscles. They have a salve for that. If you want to get your dog, maybe your dog has anxiety, they've got treats and uh, doggy drops, right? So they've got all kinds of stuff. It's a really great company from really great people that give a fuck. Okay, these people really care. And with, with something like CBD, there's so much hype and so much fuckery and so much bullshit. Like, it's really hard to find a company you can trust. But I can tell you, you can trust Cured. They are doing it the right way. So all you have to do is go to curednutrition.com. Again, that link is in the show notes. Check it out. There's a wide variety of things. I mean, these drinks are really, really good. I definitely recommend picking up a six-pack of Euphoria, either the lemon lime or the spicy mango. They're both delicious like great for like kind of the middle of the day or with a meal if you're drinking sodas or anything like that great way to replace those with something that's going to be better for you and also taste great so cruisenutrition.com you're going to use the promo code homeless it'll get you 10 percent off your entire order and free shipping on your whole order get that link in the show notes and that is promo code homeless at curednutrition.com. Check them out guys. These are great companies that are supporting independent content creators. They could definitely go buy bigger ad buys on bigger podcasts and do whatever and do that kind of thing. But they choose to support independent creators and they, by doing that, by voting with their dollars are supporting free speech. And it would mean the world to me if you could support them and also you get something out of it because they're great products check it out guys cured and element links are in the show notes make it happen now let's get back to the show billionaires to the rescue you gotta love this you gotta love it when capitalism actually fucking works that's kind of a joke tongue-in-cheek a little bit but billionaire mark cuban opens online pharmacy to provide affordable generic Drugs. Let's check this out here. Billionaire investor Mark Cuban launched an online pharmacy Thursday that offers more than 100 generic drugs at affordable prices with the goal of being radically transparent in its price negotiations with drug companies. Wow, isn't that a novel idea that there's been a public outcry for for decades? Funny how that works, right? A little bit of transparency totally changes the market dynamics. And we can't, pharmaceutical companies and, and LabCorp and these other places that just like price gouge the fuck out of people can't have that. Can't have transparency. You can't see where the money's going, you know, because that's kind of it, it, it would it would uh, infringe upon the monopoly. Mark Cuban's Cost Plus Drug Company is a registered pharmaceutical wholesaler and purchases drugs directly from manufacturers, bypassing middlemen and lowering the price of more than 100 medications. It said in a statement. Got to love this part. For example, the leukemia drug in the intimate is priced at $47 a month on Mark Cuban's company compared to $9,657 retail. $47 a month with a 15% markup. That's with that's with their profits added in and the processing fee that is $3 for the pharmacist that, that compounds this, right? Versus $9,657 fucking dollars retail. This is a leukemia drug. This is a life-saving treatment for leukemia. Not lung cancer or something that you can like have anything to do with. Fucking leukemia. 40, you can, you, this could be priced at $47. So what you're telling me is that this could be priced at $47, under $50. But instead, our free market, our beautiful, innovative healthcare system charges $9,657 for a life-saving leukemia drug. Somebody defend this to me, please. 
Somebody reach out to me and tell me how if we change the price to $47, how it's going to stifle innovation. And if you do, I will call you a fucking bootlicker because that's exactly what you are. The online pharmacy uh, price for generics factor in a 15% margin on top of an actual ma- uh, actual manufacturer's price of a $3 pharmacist fee. The statement said the markup on generics average at least 100%, generally speaking, Mark Cuban said. While the Wall Street Journal reports in some cases it exceeds 1,000% because innovation doesn't actually happen in the pharmaceutical industry. The government funds research to create these drugs. Or small biotechs, which actually are innovative, these small biotech companies that actually innovate, make a drug that is a life-saving drug, and they get bought out by some conglomerate, and they mark the prices up 100, 200, 300, 1,000%. So once people rely on these drugs, now they get you hooked, and they increase that price. Not much different than your, than your, than your corner drug dealer, right? Not much different. Once you're hooked, once you need it, they can, you can be able to pay whatever, right? And your insurance company will cover that, but it's, you know, You know how it is. The company doesn't process insurance claims because fuck insurance and requires customers to pay for their medications out of pocket, noting that drug costs less than insurance plans, deductibles, copay requirements. Customers have to request new prescriptions from their provider and place an order uh, for medications on the website. Oh, man. This is insane. Insane. The company aims to complete construction of an $11 million pharmaceutical factory in Dallas that spans 22,000 square feet by the end of this year. This is cool, and it's actually a really nice website. It seems pretty intuitive. Because, you know, one thing with these websites, it's going to be, this is really beneficial to elderly people, So and they're not really tech-savvy. So being able to have a, an easily navigated website is really, really important. So this is great. You don't see enough of this. You don't see, I would vote for Mark Cuban for fucking president, honestly. Like, run as a Democrat, dude, please. Like, I, I, I don't like that billionaires have to save the fucking world. But I do love an anti-establishment billionaire every now and then. And I do really appreciate Mark Cuban. I, I, I think his voice is appreciated. I even appreciate Chamath Palihapitiya, even though what he said about the Uyghurs, and I think that was taken out of context. Like, some of these guys do challenge these corrupt business interests, and I do appreciate that. And they don't run a monopolistic business. That's not how they function. And it's interesting to see that. They actually do innovate. But I, I believe, personally that innovative billionaires are in the minority. Generally what happens, and and for whatever reason, like libertarian-minded people, again, bootlickers in my opinion, want to just sit here and be like, well, innovation. It's like their excuse for everything. For everything. But they don't acknowledge that like Google hasn't innovated much in search engines, and they have a monopoly. Right? They own the largest and the second largest search engine. They have a monopoly. Now, of course, there is Bing and Yahoo and DuckDuckGo and these other places, but there hasn't been that much innovation. And if you made their backend transparent, you would have a bunch of competitors that were more niche. And that would support what I believe is like a libertarian value of competition driving market innovation. But when you have a, a cluster of monopolies, and for whatever reason, conservatives have just completely forgot what antitrust was. Completely. It's like, yeah, free markets and monopolies. It's like those things don't go together. So I hope this creates a new market for things like this, where you can get generics at a far discounted price, 47 versus $9,657. Can you, can you believe that? Absolutely insane for a leukemia drug. It's, 
how can you not be frustrated? How could you not hate this system? And it's like, well, Canada, Canadians have to wait to go to the doctor. It's like, well, yeah, and zero people go bankrupt because of medical bills. There are costs and benefits to different things. And our system needs massive reforms. And I think what, what, what Cuban said about this is that he see, shows that capitalism can be compassionate. But right now, we have the socialism for the rich system. And capitalism is very compassionate for those at the top. And they can go and go to Davos and the World Economic Forum and pretend like they're going to save the fucking world. But all it takes is Mark Cuban with his leverage to do something about it. And you're not going to see that from Bezos or Zuckerberg. But people like Chamath, Chris Sachs, and these other people who really want to try to challenge these institutions, Cuban being one of them, have some leeway. And I want to see more and more of this undermining these fucked institutions and bring them to their fucking knees for what they've done. I hope that, and I hope these people, I hope they go fucking bankrupt. That's what they did to the, that's what they did to the American population by charging over $9,000 for a leukemia drug that after a 15, 15% profit margin was 47 cash pay. So go Mark Cuban. I'm proud of this. I love seeing this. This is, this is some fucking good news. This is, we don't get to report good news very often. This is amazing. Fight Club ending is changed in China with a new fate for Tyler Durden. So China has uh, didn't really appreciate the ending of the Fight Club movie where these primary institutions were blown up <laughs> and, this, and Project Mayhem fulfilled their dream. Um, so they replaced it with this. Through the clue provided by Tyler, the police rapidly figured out the whole plan and arrested all criminals, successfully preventing the bomb from exploding. After the trial, Tyler was sent to a lunatic asylum receiving psychological treatment. He was discharged from the hospital in 2012. (laughs) I mean, do people in China buy this? Is there like some way that people in China can like get the real thing now? Like what do they have to do? Will they get put in a re-education camp if they watch the actual ending to Fight Club? I don't, this is weird. And I'm not like, I don't talk about China that much. I don't think about China that much. It doesn't consume a lot of my like um, uh, mental bandwidth. Um, I think there's some things, things going over there that are fucked. We're also in a weird situation where like, I don't trust most of the stuff that we hear about China because we've been lied to about foreign affairs by the CIA and the military industrial complex since I was a child. Right? WMDs. Saddam, speaking of that. Somebody we backed. The Mujahideen turning to the Taliban. Like, there's so much fuckery there. Like, that one girl from North Korea who was on Joe Rogan's podcast. I'm like, I believe about a third of what she had to say. Because why not be a CIA operative? Why not? And I don't trust the fucking CIA as far as I can throw them. So, we're here. But this is fucking weird. And China does some really weird shit. And the end, it like changes the whole narrative of the, like that's the whole, the development of that story, that narrative structure leads to that, the ending. And it's like, where I, I need to, I want to kind of want to see it. So I know like, where do they input this in there? Was it like before or after he shoots himself? I don't know. Very strange. Very, very strange. But worth noting, wanted to bring it up to you guys uh, just to have a little bit of fun here because this is. This is strange. And right after Meatloaf died, too. I'm, glad, I'm honestly kind of glad I didn't live to see this because he's such a great character in that movie. 
So with everything going on with Russia and Ukraine and kind of where we're at with that, um, I'm not a foreign relations expert. I'm not a Russian expert. I'm not a Ukrainian expert. I think there's a lot of crazy shit going on uh, in the world, but I usually try to come at this stuff from the perspective of uh, the United States not being on a moral high ground. I don't think we're on a pedestal. Um, I think the idea that the United States is the greatest country in the world or best country in the world or whatever is it's, it's, it's subjective. It's a subjective measure. It's propaganda in a certain way. And a lot of the things that we receive when it comes to what's going on with, with countries that we don't like around the world is exactly what propaganda. That's what it is. So I keep that in mind whenever I think about any of this stuff. And I'm very apprehensive when it comes to military intervention, especially when we just got out of a 20-year senseless war. So I wanted to bring up just the beginning of this article article from Matt Taibbi. We're not going to go through the whole thing, but it's called Let's Not Have a War. It has this really funny um, political cartoon here of a big giant guy saying, we must protect our profits. I mean, Ukrainians at all costs. And it's the military-industrial complex just coddling Biden there. But let's just get into the first few paragraphs. And just see if this maybe, depending on where you're at, maybe shift what you're thinking or or um, help you explore the situation through a different lens. And I think that can always be beneficial regardless of whether it changes your mind or not. It may shed some perspective on the situation. So it said, last, uh, excuse me, Joe Biden last week said the American response in Ukraine would be proportional to Vladimir Putin's actions. It depends, the president uh, posited. Thoughts drifting like blobs in a lava lamp. It's one thing if it's a minor incursion. Alarms sounded off all over Washington. The rip in the national political illusion was so severe. Republicans and Democrats were forced to come out agreeing, leaping into each other's arms in panic. Secretary of State Tony Blinken, who increasingly looks like a man who's about to miss a historically important free throw, said of a potential Russian invasion, we can make crystal clear the stark consequences of that choice. Republican Senator Ted Cruz said Biden shocked the world by giving Putin a green light to invade Ukraine. Ted Cruz. (laughs) The National Security Council issued a statement through Jen Psaki that any Russian move into Ukraine would be met with swift, severe, and a united response. In a later press conference, Biden explained that he had cut things short because you guys will ask me all about Russia. He appears days from pulling his pants down to show reporters the electrodes White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain has has probably attached to his testicles by now. This is a return to an old story, only with a weaker lead actor. Six years ago, Barack Obama gave an interview to The Atlantic quashing Beltway militarist dreams of war in Ukraine. He said, the fact is that Ukraine, which is a non-NATO country, is going to be vulnerable to military dominance by Russia no matter what we do. This is an example of where we have to be very clear about what our core interests are and what we are willing to go to war for. Then, as of now, both blue and red propaganda outlets howled the core interest of the Washington consensus is war. It, is not, it isn't just big business. It's our biggest business. One of the last things we, will, we still make and export on a grand scale. The bulk of people elected to Congress and the lion's share of lobbyists lawyers and journalists who snuggle in a giant fornication ma- fornicating mass in the capital are dedicated to the upkeep of the war bureaucracy. Their main purpose is growing the defense budget and militarizing the missions of other government agencies, from state to Department of Energy to the CIA. Washington think tanks exist to factory generate intellectual justifications for foreign intervention while attacking with ferocity as if there were emergencies like pandemics or deadly hurricanes, the appearance of ideas like a peace dividend that threatened to move any of their rice bowls to some other constituency. Both Biden's comments and the Obama doctrine were fundamental betrayals. President saying out loud that there exists such a thing as our interests separate from Washington's pig war clique. 
The latter group somehow believes itself impervious to error and takes extraordinary offense to changing its judgment. Amazing given the spectacular failures in every arena from Iraq to Afghanistan to Syria. So well said. And Matt Taibbi, just, he's also a very entertaining writer, but I just love, love what he said there. And I think always view intervention through the, war, through the lens of the war machine. The military-industrial complex, whatever you want to call it. It is our largest export. He's absolutely right. And it's one thing that we export in mass. So that's, that's tough, you know? And I look at this, and, and you see what Ukraine's saying, and they're like, hey, you guys need to cal- calm down. We're in diplomacy na- arena now. But these, the egos of Russia and the United States and those that run those countries are at, at odds with one another. And so there's an escalation happening in a dick measuring contest on a global scale that threatens World War III. And the last thing we want is a dick measuring contest ending in the ending the lives of people, of teenagers and young men and women that are going to go over there to serve for what? For what? We can't go halfway across the country and police the na- and police the world or halfway across the world and police it. It just doesn't work that way. We have shown over and over again, from Syria to Iraq to Afghanistan to Vietnam, that shit does not work. But if you want to lose another war, and we want to escalate tensions with China too, okay, that'll just, that'll just in- increase the speed at which this country is spiraling down the fucking drain, in my humble opinion. But I don't, I don't, I don't make the calls. I don't make the decisions. So we'll see what happens. But the people that do make the decisions scare me shitless. I'll tell you that right now. Now it's time for that beautiful part of the episode where I give you something to think about. So I tweeted a little tweet the other day and shared it on Instagram about something I thought about that kind of came to me, a divine download, if you will, thinking about how, um, you know, conservatives are really invested in this trans argument, right? This trans teenagers and, and younger people transitioning and how they don't have, they don't have the capacity to make those kind of decisions when they're under 18 and these life-changing decisions that they may regret in the future um, should not be their burden. They shouldn't be able to make those kind of decisions until after they're 18. I personally believe that you're not really an adult until you're at least 25, most of the cases in our in today's world. And for Gen X, Z, Gen Z, probably be closer to 30. But um, I look at that and I thought, well, these are also the people that are adamantly opposed to forgiving student loan debt, Right? Now, I'll share my takes, and I've shared my takes on a bunch of these things, but what I was pointing out was a little bit of a hypocrisy there. And it's like, well, kids that are going to college are over 18, right? So they can make those decisions. The idea that you decide to go to college when you're 18 is quite naive. You know if you're going to college probably by the time you're 13 or 14. You can start taking college classes your freshman year of high school, which I suggest you do if you want to go to college. They're way cheaper and way easier, and they're 
basics. So they're kind of like useless anyways. So get those knocked out because you're heading into a corrupt shitstorm. So just keep that in mind. But all of these things start to happen, right? You start college prepping, you're taking AP courses. Maybe you're taking AP courses in junior high. That's a common thing to, to, to get you prepared for what college is going to be like and deciding which degree you're going to pursue. So there is a, a, a manipulation by institutions on both sides. Now, when I say institutions, I think a lot of the reason I say that is because that's the justification uh, from Republicans that it's these liberal institutions that want to undermine our society by making kids not have a gender. That's what they say. And on the other side, from the left, it's well, these major institutions, banks and colleges are farming these kids into profit, into profit mills that provide very little value. Also manipulation from a, a, an institution. So... The argument against kids transitioning. Now, if we're talking about like, we're talking about teenagers here, right? So like 12, 13, 16, whatever, under 18. I'm not talking about five and six-year-olds. Let's, let's separate the two. But the argument against kids transitioning is an argument for forgiving, forgiving student debt. Right? Something to think about. Something else that popped up on the, uh, the from the Free Thought Project on Instagram today was... Uh, the difference in Aaron Rodgers and Colin Kaepernick, right? Both speaking up for human rights, speaking out against injustice, making sacrifices to do so. Now, Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback and a better athlete, but, well, maybe not a better athlete, but a better quarterback to be sure. And I cheered for both of them. I think taking a knee is respectful, and I think that uh, what Aaron Rodgers did was, was respectful as well. Standing up for himself, standing up for what he believed in, even when it was unpopular, even when he was criticized. But people like Laura Ingram will tell somebody who's a professional athlete that um, speaks up against something that she disagrees with to shut up and dribble or do your fucking job. But if it's Aaron Rodgers, he gets high praise on her show. You see? Maybe it's not about delivering the news or delivering, delivering thoughtful commentary. Maybe it's about leveraging divisiveness for profits all over the place. Now, me personally, when I think about what I would like to do with student loans is I would like to forgive the amount that the person has paid in interest on that principal loan. That way, it's essentially means tested because the people that are paying the highest interest rates and have paid the most into interest are the people making the lowest payments, which are generally, generally people with the lower income. And then doing away with interest on the rest of that loan. I also think that interest should be capped on student loans at a very low rate. That's me. That's basic reform. I think there needs to be a lot more. I think people should be able to get a bachelor's degree in two years because you don't need fucking underwater basket weaving and chemistry and fucking <laughs> racquetball classes to get a bachelor's degree. It makes no sense. It's corruption. It's profiteering. It's not education. That right there cuts your student loans in half <laughs> if you need them. Makes it much more manageable. There's a lot of things we can do, and they all need to be paired together, right? We can't just like forgive student loan and not pair that with reform. They need to be paired together in the same bill, massive reform. And I think making bachelor's degrees a two-year process at a major, at any state school or whatever is a good idea. It's a good start. So what I wanted to point out here, I want you guys to think about, is keep an eye out for stuff like that. 
Just keep an eye out for stuff like that. Stuff that gets you emotional and there's easy talking points and become buzz phrases and buzz words and all this other bullshit. When people start listening socialism or fascism or whatever, try to peel the layers back a little bit and maybe find something that it doesn't sync with the whole situation, that doesn't jive. Maybe go try to find a similar issue on the other side and see where they overlap and see where people may have blind spots. And if you can recognize other people's blind spots, that's one step closer to turning that shit back on yourself and recognizing your own blind spots. And if you can do that, I guarantee you, you'll live a happier, healthier, albeit a little more frustrating, life. Well, guys... That was fun. Short one today. Moved quick. We'll be back next week. Make sure to join the Patreon and support our sponsors. If you're into it, you know? Love you guys. Keep your head on straight. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.